Welcome to Glassbones Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Matt Burke, and joining me today, as always, is the wonderful Mr. Kyle. Kyle, how are we doing right now? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you doing? Pretty good. It's been a little bit of a longer night, but uh, we love doing these things for the fans and just doing them just to do them. So <laughs> we're going to get through this one. We're doing the rest of our team breakdown. So, sorry, the next part of our team breakdown, because there's still one more part. Stay tuned. So we are breaking down teams one through four of the Central Division. So we are starting off with Winnipeg. So, Kyle, why don't you get us started here and tell us about Winnipeg? Oh, Winnipeg. The worst, uh, what's it, the worst location to play in the NHL? <laughs> yep. But, yeah, no, Winnipeg's one of those teams that, I don't know. I, I hate starting these off so negative. I feel like we've done that a lot recently. And I'm trying my best to look at it more positive, but I, Winnipeg's not the one I want to start with. <laughs> I'm going to, I have to go negative with them. Um, well, I'll start off with this. Rick Bonus was hired last offseason. Uh, the year before, Paul Maurice just randomly stepped down, and they just ran. I don't remember who they had in there. They just ran with whoever their assistant was. And, uh, yeah, the year before that was a, not a good year for Winnipeg. So then fast forward to the offseason, they hire Rick Bonus, who's a veteran coach in this league, and he's taken a lot of teams to an- another level. Um, and, frankly, he just he couldn't even fix this team. I think this team has so many issues uh, up and down their lineup. And really, really, it doesn't make any sense to me because this is a type of team that if you showed me their lineup at the beginning of the season, I would go, this team's a contender, no doubt. They have the number one center in Mark Shifley. They have who's supposed to be a number two center in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Mm -hmm. They have one of the premier goal scorers in, of the, in the league in Kyle Connor. They have another winger uh, named Nikolai Ehlers, who is probably in the top tier of players when it comes to just skill, speed and skill. He's insane to watch. Now, a guy like Ehlers was hurt a lot last year, so I'll cut him some slack. But when I read off these plus-minus numbers especially, to me, it just shows why this team can't take the next level. Mm-hmm. So, Kyle Connor minus eleven, Mark Scheifele minus sixteen, Blake Wheeler minus three, Nick Ehlers minus two. Would you believe me if I told you that Pierre Luc Dubois was a plus five on this team last year? Nope. Well, he was, which very much surprised me. Um, but realistically, honestly, like it doesn't really matter to me because when push comes to shove on this team, nobody steps up and makes the big play. Mm-hmm. And Rick Bonus was very, very open about that. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in February. Winnipeg was in first place in the Central Division. A lot wow. of people forget about that. They were a very, very good team for the beginning up until about February. They went on this crazy losing streak where it was like lose three, win one, lose four, win one to drop them all the way down to the last wild card spot in the playoffs. So, uh, or second, they ended up getting first wild card spot. But anyway, they were fighting with Calgary at the end of the end of the year for a playoff spot mm-hmm. and just, they beat Calgary. So they did win one big game. <laughs> they went out and beat Calgary. But if I remember right, like Adam Lowry scored the goals. Like it wasn't these guys that I just named that scored the goals. And in Rick Bonus's exit interview, he was very adamant about it. Mm-hmm. And if you've never seen that, do yourself a favor and watch that because that was awesome. Mm-hmm. You had this very veteran coach who was very respected in this league go up to the, the podium and go, all right, give me your questions because it's not going to be long. And he was very straightforward. My big guys did not want to play this series. And that's why we lost, period. So I just – I don't really like this team. I don't like the direction there that will – they were heading. We'll talk about next year later on, but this year was just such a bad year for them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. A team that should be competing looked so bad against Vegas. They were not even close in that series. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I got for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I broke it down, there's like some stuff that like I, I, I like the trades they made. They didn't go crazy, and I mean, really, all they they did was need a rider and, and Nemistikov, which 
I think were good pieces and they didn't give up a ton of value for either of them. So I, when you break it down like that and, and then they didn't, they really didn't do much in free agency signing, which is good and bad because I feel like they should have done more, but they also didn't hurt themselves either. So sometimes that's better. But then I look at like the team play and it's just like with, with Rick bonus being there, they should have been so much better than they were. I mean, so much better. And they just never take that next step. Like I and I remember I think I want to say it was like 2000. I want to say it was like either 16 or 15. I can't remember which year it was. Somebody wrote an article about how the Winnipeg Jets are going to win the 2020 NHL Cup. That's that's who's oh, going to wow. win. Yeah. And I was convinced that that was true because they had so many good prospects and so many guys prepped to take that next step. They had Hellbuck signed long-term. They had Shifley signed long-term. They had just drafted Kyle Connor. I don't think – see, I don't, I'm not sure if they had drafted Lionel yet or they, they were had uh, were just about to. But either way, it didn't matter. And I was convinced. I'm like, this. they're abs- – excuse me. They're absolutely correct. This team is they're, – they're too good. They're too good to have to. And then it's just like one guy didn't hit. Another guy didn't hit. You had the whole Lion A debacle and then swapping him for Dua, which I think was a mistake. And just a lot of flaming out and a lot of guys that just, like, yeah, they're good regular season players, but nobody really takes that step in the playoffs. And it's like, and even in the regular season, you're still having some guys just not show up. And it's like, and that was my biggest hit on Jeff Carter when he scored. He scored 40 goals with Flyers one year. And I'm pretty sure out of those 40 goals, I'm pretty sure. I want to say it was like 26 because I had done the math because I was how much I was convinced were against the bottom. I think it was like five teams in the league. Where I was like, okay, cool. What's it matter? It doesn't matter when you're when you're winning seven to one and you score three goals that game. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, and that's exactly what happens with Kyle Connor and Mark Scheifele and those those type of guys. They just they only score when it doesn't matter, and that just doesn't bode well for a, for a cup. Like you're not going to win a cup like that, and so yeah, I really don't think that this was a was a good season, and I really don't like that the way that they're headed. And honestly, I thought there was going to be a tire sale in, in Winnipeg this summer. I yeah. really did. Now, you know, at the time of this recording, they only really made one big trade, but which you know we will talk about that a little bit later. Or well, I, I guess we have talked about that, but like what the repercussions of that are, and and all the different things and stuff like that. So I we'll talk about a little bit more a little bit later on when we're previewing the season, but still like. I am not – I don't like the way this team this team ended. I don't like the way that they they kind of just failed. And and Bonus was quick to call him out on it and then like kind of had to walk back the statement because people were upset. And I'm like, but he's absolutely correct. Like, this team sucks, and they shouldn't. They have, I mean, top three goalie in the league. They have somebody who absolutely should all day long be a number one center. I don't know that he's there yet because of the inconsistencies to the big game stuff. They have somebody whose his speed and his shot should combine for 50 goals every year. Hasn't hit it yet. They have a lot, like they have a really good defensive core. Like, I mean, they look at, they don't have a lot of holes. Like on, and when you look at their team on paper, they don't have a lot of holes and yet they still have find some way to mid season flame out first round flame out all that stuff. And it's like, why do you guys suck so much? So it's just like, yeah, I mean it's it does it sucks to start negative, but unfortunately it's just like sorry Winnipeg. They're they're just there's there's a lot of things they need to fix, and I think they need a big trade. Yeah. I think they need to move one of their core guys out. Well, I think the point in saying that is is match them player by player with Vegas. Besides the Petrangelo, I don't think they have a Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. Why why were they so much worse? Like if you go player by player, there's really no excuse that this team should be that much worse mm-hmm. than Vegas. And they were they were just so outplayed. Mm-hmm. They barely squeaked out game one. That's the only reason they got any win out of that series. And I don't know. They're just so bad. And like, well, I don't want to say they're so bad. They're just so underperforming mm-hmm. of what they really should be. Mm-hmm. Um like we can't go a whole segment of Winnipeg without bringing up Connor Hellebuck because mm-hmm. he it and that's the other side of it and that's the point why we're like so upset because you have a top five goalie, mm-hmm. probably top three goalie in the NHL right now, mm-hmm. and you're just 
these the the players on the team just don't help him mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> uh, so I like looked up his stats and he had 37 wins last year, which was tied for third. He had um, 1,807 saves, which was second in the league. He had 1,964 shots against, which was third in the league. And he had a 920 save percentage, which was fifth in the league. So, like, everything that you need from your goalie, he did. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't even give him enough play to, like, to even just push Vegas. Like, because obviously Vegas went on to win the cup. Mm-hmm. That was your first round matchup. But if you're in first place in February in your division and you drop all the way to the wild card, you didn't belong there to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I could, I, I'm just not a fan of this team. I'm not a fan of the way they're built. And I, I just think that there's so much work ahead of them because honestly, if you, if you handed me the keys and said, fix this team, even on be a GM and NHL 23, I don't even think I could do it. Mm-hmm. Like it really, honestly, like I think that shovel day off has his hands full for mm-hmm. sure up there. Yeah, absolutely, and and there isn't there isn't an easy fix. There isn't a hard fix either. It, it's, I, and that's the thing because it's not one. It's not a one person where it's like, okay, we got to get this one person. It's not a Tony D'Angelo situation, right? It's a we need a culture change, and I don't know how you do that. And like you you brought in bonus to do that, and he's trying. You can see he's trying, and it just doesn't affect it. But and it's and. It's interesting to me. I wonder how much of this is, how different this would be if Buffalo was still there. Mm. Yeah, honestly. Like, just thinking about it from, like, winning a cup to just, like, the role he plays on the ice, they don't have, like, who on their team are you afraid of? Like, I mean, Lowry's a good, like, he's solid, and, and he's certainly somebody that hits hard, but, like, I don't know. I'm not really afraid of anything on that roster. I'm not afraid of the shooters. I'm not afraid. Like the only thing would be Hellebuck, but even that, it's like okay, like you just got to get around the defense because mm-hmm. almost all their goals are all that. They're just tic tac toes around because there's nobody. They're just standing still. Yeah. It's like he hardly gets beat one on like by a straight shot, hardly ever. And you, but you almost kind of see it where he gets to the point where he's just like, this is stupid. Like, yeah. I'm just so like he's so done, and it's like and. You know, which we'll see what what he ends up deciding to do. Because I mean, if he hits a free eight, if he hits the market, he's getting twelve and a half. Right. So like, that's crazy, crazy money for a goalie, but he deserves it. He's been so good every single year, and yet this team can't. They they just they can't perform, and I just it's a shame. And it's and you know it's it's something that I think that they really they need an injection of somebody who who can really lead. To come in and really do that, and like that's not a shot at Blake Wheeler because I really like Blake Wheeler. I really think he's a good he's a good captain and a good player. But I wonder how different it will be not having him there this year. And if they can bring in somebody that's gonna, I mean, th- like they need some they need a char is what they need. Yeah, somebody that's gonna and and if you if for the listeners because I know you've had for a fact you have seen it the the clip of Chara going down the bench in one I forget which playoff run it was one of the I think it may have been his last one with that yeah 19 and he's and in the the TV and timeout he's the one going down the bench getting the team into it not the coach not the cap or he was he he was the captain that point but like it was him him going down and being like what are we doing like let's and like you could see it on his face you could see it from his body language and body language, and you could see from the way that the team was reacting, they were all on board. That's something that you don't see with Winnipeg. And now, to be fair, there's lots of teams you don't see that with. But at the same rate, that's the type of person that Winnipeg needs desperately, and they just don't have. And and like somebody like Matthew Kachuk, and I, I, I know I love Matthew Kachuk, and you know I bring him up all the time, but it's that type of play. There's zero give. He he, there is. When he's out there, it's everything he has as long as humanly possible and he gets off. And I just don't see that with anybody else, anybody from that team. No, there's nobody. There is. I don't, I don't see anybody doing that. And um, you mentioned earlier about like the tic-tac-toe goals and stuff. It's not necessarily like the top six defensemen. Because if you read that, like their top six, you know, having guys like Nate Schmidt, Josh Morrissey, uh, Brandon Dillon, Dylan DeMello, like they should be very solid. Mm-hmm. And they are. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're that bad. It's a team effort. It's mm-hmm. the team defense. The, the 
the names that we've mentioned on here already, like their whole all around game is it's just not there. It really isn't. And I really thought when Rick Bonus went there, it was their chance. So like I said, we'll talk about the future in mm-hmm. the in the preview for next season because I think what they did this offseason did fix some of those issues. And I'm curious to see what the guys they brought in are gonna do for what we were just talking about, helping out the two hundred foot game and the hard work and maybe, you know what, stepping up and being a leader on this team. I'm really curious to see what these new guys do for this this organization. But going back to last season, uh I gave them a C minus, which to me is probably better than what I should have, but a playoff team, you still gotta give them credit. Mm-hmm. They had a decent season up until February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like it's one of those things where it's hard to give them worse, but I definitely could see giving them worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. I ended up giving him a B. So just the way that I do rankings and stuff like that and how I break it down, it's just, and I, it's all math. I just, I take letters, I give him a letter and then I divide, take that letter, give it a value and then divide it by three. It's so, and that's just the way the number worked out, which I mean, I, I don't know that have we had, I don't know that we've had one where you've had a higher ranking than I have. I, don't know. I feel like my rankings are almost always higher. Because <laughs> probably I'm, I'm a little bit more gracious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's more of you just have a higher standard, which is good. Yeah. Uh, but I also like well, the fact that we disagree on some of these things. Sometimes. Well, that's my grade comes purely off of how where I I expect them to be. Mm-hmm. I expect Winnipeg to be in the second round of the playoffs, mm-hmm. or if they're not in the second round of the playoffs, competing in the first round of the playoffs. And mm-hmm. they did not do that. Yeah. So to me, regular season, I hundred percent agree that they're at to be. But that first round, those five games literally brought it down that far. Yeah, which it absolutely should have because – and as you broke it down, when you go player for player, well, yes, they don't have a Petrangelo, but they also have Hell up, which Vegas doesn't have. Right. So it should have offset – and it should have offset in closer games. If it, Even if they would have – if they would have lost all, all – well, the four games they lost by one goal, it'd be like, all right, well, Vegas won. Okay, like if Vegas is that good. Okay. It's the same thing with like Carolina. We gave them a lot of grace because they lost all those one goal games. It's like, and I guess the Florida team that was just like they were just they were clicking on all cylinders. Right. So anyway, we can move on from Winnipeg now. We we talked about them enough and crapped on them a little bit enough. But so we're gonna move over to Minnesota. So I'm gonna take this one first here. So I'm I actually feel like they had a pretty good year. I, I think the the thing that needs to be remembered is they had $13 million in dead space this yep. year. That's a big ticket. That I mean, that's McDavid. Yeah. Like, think of, <laughs> put it in that that's, terms. That's, that's McDavid. True. Yeah. So, I mean, that's more than Carlson. Like, that's, that's more than every single NHL player's contract is what they have in dead space. So, the fact... Hey, it wasn't me this time. <laughs> the fact that, uh, for all the listeners, anytime you hear a noise, 99% of the time, it's me doing something stupid. So just, you know. This apologize. time I just got angry at that comment and threw my pen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. But it's just keeping that in mind. I mean, I just, Gurren's done, a, he's done such a good job with this team of like bringing in really good assets and like even like the Ryan Hartmans, where it's like, who I, I mean, he played in Philly, and I was like, yeah, he's solid. I mean, I I loved him from from this draft class. I always he I was always high on him, and yet I'm like, yeah, he's like a third line center, like, and he's playing first line minutes and doing so well. Like, I'm I mean, sorry, second line minutes because he's behind Eric's neck, but like still just like, and even even um Frederick Drew, like another guy where it's like not a I mean. He was in Nashville, and, and he did fine there, but not somebody that you're like, oh, this dude's going to put up a ton of points or like lead your team. And yet, like, what they've done with that, it's just been so fascinating. And so I really give them a lot of props. That with, with, with that much dead space, I think the expectations were this is going to be a tough year. And, and even, like, this year and next year are both going to be tough years because of the dead space. Well, and the year of that, there's tough. I mean, they had to trade Fiala because of it. Because if they if they don't have those buyouts, they're signing Fiala and they keep Fiala. Now I think that trade worked out well for them because Brock Faber is going to be freaking amazing, and so 
you know, it's it is what it is. But at the same rate, it's like they I think they would rather have a Kevin Fiala now than a Brock Faber in five years. But it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty, I mean, pretty happy with, with what they did. I mean, they grabbed Sam Steele for, I mean, pennies on the dollar. Ended up giving them good value. I mean, he played really well, like really well. And for somebody that had a ton of opportunities in Anaheim and just never put it together, and he came there and and he and he literally he played on all four lines at some point in the season, which is really important. Like he's that's really valuable to a team. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, what they got for Fial was great, and then I mean the Gustafson trade. I talk about that. Cam Talbot straight up for Gustafson. Man, did they win that deal. And it's funny because at the time, I loved it. I loved the deal for both sides. Ottawa needed a proven starter. Cam Talbot was that. Gustafson was not. And they said, ah, we have two. We don't, wanna, we don't want it to be a big deal. We want to start flurry. He's deserving of the net. Let's just get rid of the, the cap space. We need to make cap somewhere. And they bring Gustafson, and he's just, I mean, he's going to be a stud. He really is. He's going to be an absolute stud. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm very high on Bill Guerin. I think he's definitely one of the best GMs in hockey. And Shane yells about it all the time because Pittsburgh groomed him. Mm. They he was in their system for so many years, and then they let him walk to Minnesota in that same offseason. Decided to hire Ron Hextall. So he's always talking about how frustrating it is every time Minnesota makes such a genius move <laughs> because Guerin's doing all this now. Granted, he put himself in the position to have all this dead cap space. Like we got to remember that, but it was the right move because buying out Parise and Suter was just the right move. They mm-hmm. needed to move on. They needed to find something else. And as much as you want to say it's easy to trade in this era, you are not trading players like that at mm-hmm. $10 million cap hits. It's just not going to work. So mm-hmm. instead of paying two players that just aren't going to bring enough to your team at like 20 ish million dollars. He bought them out to just t- kill 13 of their cap. So, um, well, having a guy like Kirill Kaprizov definitely helps mm-hmm. keep this going because he is, he is insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is so fun to watch. And the chemistry that he instantly built with Zuccarello is amazing to see. And you mentioned about Hartman. He fits in so well with those two guys. And, you also said Joel Erickson Eck. He was me and Zach did our uh, underrated, um, underrated players in the NHL, and he's at the top of that, no doubt. He is such a good two-way player, and like you said about Hartman playing behind him, well, like technically Erickson Eck <laughs> plays behind him if you mm-hmm. want to do like the numbers, but it's perfect. It's a perfect one-two punch. Is Hartman an actual number one center? No, but when you're playing with Zuccarello and Kaprizov, yeah, you can kind of slide in there and call yourself a number one center. Um, one thing I did want to point out that really stuck out to me, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Jared Spurgeon had 11 goals, 23 assists, which is a solid season, Not, but he's he's a very good defenseman. So mm-hmm. like that's, that's a good season for him. He was a plus 32. Mm-hmm. Next on the team was Jake Middleton at plus 15. Like that's crazy. How how is that even possible? Like really, <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, "That's got to be a typo," but it, it's not. I looked it up on two different websites just to make sure it was it wasn't a typo. So I, I thought that was really cool to see that. Um, yeah, I mean, this team it, they're good. They're a good team, and mm-hmm. they're a team. If I was a fan of them, I'd be really excited because of who they have running the organization. Um. One thing I will say is in that first round against Dallas, they kind of had Dallas running a little bit and up to game three. Well, after, like up to game four, I should say. And um, the, the big guys on the team, just they, they, they had a disappointing round. That's just, that's just like admit it. Kaprizov scored one goal, had no assists, and was a minus three. Zuccarello had two goals and three assists, like, which is good for seven Six games. Uh, Matt Boldy is it was a tough playoffs for him. I remember watching that series. I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. it's a shame because he had a really good season this year, putting up 31 goals and 32 assists. But Dallas, Dallas really shut him down. And if Minnesota was going to go on a run, they needed a guy like that to really step up and take them to that next level. Mm-hmm. But no goals and 
three assists and a minus five in the playoffs is is tough for him. And Spurgeon had that great plus minus in the regular season, but he was minus six in that first round. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, hey, that's a part of the playoffs. So sometimes, you know, you have that bad matchup and Mm -hmm. that's really when the dead cap space really does hurt because you need you need guys Mm -hmm. to play in those playoff rounds. So um, one more thing I do want to say about the playoffs. Why is it every single year Marc-Andre Fleury's on a team? <laughs> coaches play around with him. Mm-hmm. It Nothing bothers me more than watching him in the playoffs. If you want Gustafson to play, just please start him in game one. Mm-hmm. Why are you even playing Fleury? Mm-hmm. If you're ultimately going to pull him out of your lineup, please just start Gustafson so you don't have to confuse that because it happens every year since Matt Murray's come into the NHL. Flurry's obviously the goalie you probably should be playing right now. Mm-hmm. He lets in one meh goal and you instantly take him out. It's mm-hmm. just been the definition of his career since 2016. And I don't get it. But um yeah. So other than that, I I thought they had a very good season for what they have with that dead cap space, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh I gave them a B because I really do like this team a lot. I do. I like where they're heading. I think they're they're a team to keep your eye on for these next couple of years, especially once that dead cap space goes, because they're going to gun for it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're really, I mean, they don't really have any bad contracts, which is good too. Like looking at like, I'm looking at their cap friendly right now and there's nothing, nobody where I'm like, oof, that's a tough contract. Like, I mean, yeah, Caprizov uh, is making $9 million. That's a big ticket. Goldie's making seven, but at the same rate, they're it's they're got they're worth it they're absolutely and the, and the big the key and i'm i mean well the gold knights were the first team to do it win a cup with a 10 million dollar plus person yeah which and he was right at 10 million dollars which was jack eichel so but to me you can't have people making 10 million dollars and win a cup so the fact that they don't have any of those and i don't foresee any of their free agents coming up any of them signing for even close to that so that's really good for them. And they have, I mean, a lot of help coming. They have Marco Rossi. They have Carson Lambos are two of their, their better con, uh, sorry, better prospects. And I think that this team's going to be, I mean, they're going to be a team to mess with here in a couple of years. And I think even next year, they're going to be very good. This upcoming year, they're going to be very good again. And I'm um, the also guess Rolstad. Too, which is crazy to have it. Think about having a tandem of Gustafson and Wallstat. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, and and to quickly comment on the flurry thing, it is so frustrating. And even as somebody who, like, I mean, he was Pittsburgh's goalie for a while, and as a Philly fan, I was like, oh, you like to see him lose. And I'm like, this dude has just he got beaten down by every organization he's been a part of, except for maybe Chicago, because Chicago really didn't mess with him. They just brought him into play, and then. Traded him at the deadline for pieces, which I'm sure he wanted. So, other than that, like every organization is messed with him. I don't get it. Like Vegas, what the heck is wrong with you? Because I think if they would have not have brought in Leonard, he'd still be there and he'd be making a lot less money and he would have still won that cup. I mean, you still, he would have, I mean, he's, I think he's better than Hill. So, like, you still would have won that cup. So, and it's a shame because then you could have had some, another person from the original draft, but. Whatever it is, what it is, people do dumb things all the time, and I just, I just feel bad for him because he's such a good goalie. It just gets crapped on for a one soft goal, and it's like, and yet, how many times do you see somebody get walked, or how many times do you see somebody missing that when they're wide open in the slot? Why are we not hating on those people? Because it's the exact same concept. Yep. Now I get it. There's a higher standard for goalies, but at the same rate, it's like, come on, he, it's a soft goal. Okay, it happens. You got it, but you just gotta trust him and put him back in. Yeah, so I ended up giving them a B plus. I feel like this was a pretty pretty good season for them. I mean, it's it stinks that they picked. I'm um, well picked. They didn't pick. They they got the matchup against Dallas, which is just a very good team. We're gonna talk about them next and a lot of things that they did that I really enjoyed. So it's a shame because I really really did like their season, but hey, you can't win them all. Yep. So moving on to Dallas, we. Yeah, we'll move on to Dallas, and it's your turn. So you're going to go first. All right. Yeah, I think if 
anyone's listened to this already, they know Dallas is one of my favorite teams in the league. They are they're so fun to watch. The um the the speed and skill that this team already had, and then they hired a coach uh Peter DeBoer that is offense, offense, offense as well. And I think he he activated this team to get to a different level of offense and he has a lot of he deserves a lot of credit for the emergence of Rope Hintz. The season he had, the playoff run he had, and he was insane in the playoffs. I think he opened a lot of eyes to see how good of a player he really is. Um, he's already, To me, he's already groomed there. He's their number one center. He's going to be their number one center for a long time. And they locked him up this year, which is really cool. Um, and then next to him, Jason Robertson. Is there a have you ever seen a player like him before where it's just like he touches the puck and it just goes in the net? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel I don't know, it's just one of those players. It's not like he's the flashiest player in the league, he doesn't like do anything where I'm like, you gotta watch this guy play. Like, he does his speed, his skill, his edge work, like everything. Like, he doesn't really have any of that. He just scores goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time he touches the puck, just magic happens. I'm not discounting his speed, his skill, or anything. I'm not discounting that at all. It's good. Mm-hmm. But like like when you watch hints, you're just like, you know, <laughs> you know, he gets going, you're like, holy crap, like he just flies. Robertson's just like, Yeah, I'm just gonna casually skate up the ring up the wing, and then I'm just gonna snap the puck on that and it's just gonna go in. Like, not even bar down, not even like I mean, it's it's just perfectly placed like every time. His accuracy is great. And it's 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 a hard shot too. But anyway, it's not it's just he's amazing to watch. He's one of those players like when he came into the league, I'm like, oh, I, I can see there's some skill there, but like forty six goals, I don't know if I would have said that then. So mm-hmm. it's awesome to see. And then adding Pavelski on that line with those guys is is awesome because I think both of us love Pavelski. I think he's at the top of our list of players that we just love to watch being an American and everything, but not even just that as much as he's just such a fun player to watch, like around the net, his hand eye is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool to see, uh, like see him still play at such a high level at his mm-hmm. age. And, uh, excuse me. Uh, we were talking like last episode about Eric Carlson, like getting traded. And it's funny to me looking back, like San Jose chose to keep Carlson over Pavelski. And who would have thought, uh, what was that, four years ago now, I think, where Pavelski walked, that he would still be putting up 28 goals and 49 assists. <laughs> I think if San Jose would have realized that, I still think they should have kept him over mm-hmm. Carlson. I think most people would agree with that. But seeing what he's still doing and probably hopefully will be a part of a Stanley cup team with this group. One of these days, one of these seasons, because this team ain't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really cool to see him do that. Uh, I do want to talk about like Jamie Ben. He was one of those players that like, I think a lot of people thought was just, yeah, he's just going to turn into like a third line grinder, you know, put in maybe 15 to 20 goals and hopefully like fight just be a good captain be a good leader when that contract's up because he makes too much money for what he does like once that contract's up he can resign to a cheap deal and just be the captain for the rest of his career and just be a good leader well he came out and put in 33 goals and 45 assists this season and in my opinion a big reason for that was Wyatt Johnston mm-hmm. I think that kid brought brought some excitement to his game that he kind of lost these last couple of years like he him and Sagan kind of lost their connection when Radulov left and seeing him and Johnston play together was a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I just think Johnston, I really do. I think that kid probably should have won rookie of the year and he wasn't even nominated, <laughs> not, not discounting the other guys, but I think how much he really helped that stars team. Cause I think he was a big reason this team had the season that they did have. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny to me because I think a lot of people knocked this team. Like after they got knocked out, they were just like, "Oh, they're so bad. This is so terrible." Listen, you're in the conference final. You're in the final four. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you can just destroy this team. They're all like, you know, like Ottinger's 
I don't know if he's really the guy to do it. He's 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Like he's just starting. And if you're telling me that you're going to question a goalie that uh, had 37 wins and a 919 save percentage and a 237 goals against average, and you're going to say, I don't know if that's the guy. I think you're nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I love this team. I, their goal differential, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up, plus 66. That's wow. crazy. Yeah. that They scored 281 goals, which was seventh in the league, and they only allowed 215, which was third lowest in the league. Wow. So, hmm. very, very, very good season for the Stars, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really think that this team kind of showed what they're made of this year, and I think that they, I mean... They were right there at the top of the central. I mean, right there. And it's just a team that has a lot, a lot of good things going for them. I mean, it's it's a shame because I feel like if they had one of Sagan or Ben's contracts being let's say four million dollars less, oh my word, this team would be so dangerous. The the both of them making over nine million or well, nine and then nine and a half million dollars kills them. Like it, it does. It's the only downside to this team, in my opinion. That's it. And I really like this team. I like a lot of the things that they bring, a lot of the things that they do. I mean, they have a great coach. They play really well. I mean, they ha- they may have the best. Well, they have. <laughs> I think they have the best player from the 2017 draft in Robertson. Mm-hmm. I think he might be the best player in, in the draft. Yeah. Uh, real quick, they might have the two best. That's because I forgot to bring up the other guy. I'll let you say it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they, I mean, quite frankly, well, it'll be interesting when we do the redraft of the 2017 draft, it'll be interesting to see where there's three fall Yeah. because you have Miro Heiskanen going third overall. You have Jake Ottinger went 23rd, something like that. It sounds about right. Late twenties. I was in the twenties somewhere. Maybe I think it may have been a little bit later than 23rd. And Jason Robertson, who was a second-round pick. And he's going to jump up into the top three for sure. And Heiskanen's right there, too. But just two of the best – two of the well, – let's put it this way. Two of the top five from the 2017 draft class, which was a weak draft class, to be fair. But at the same – and it also helps that Philly picked Nolan Patrick. But anyway, <laughs> that's a whole different story. But, yeah, I mean, just – this team is great. And, and the thing is, too, is they have – Robertson signed a $7 million. Which is the same money that Troy Terry's making. Yeah. Like, let's put that into context. Like, somebody who hasn't, uh, I don't think, uh, he did score 30 goals this year, right? Who's that? Terry? Mm, no, I no? don't think he did. Okay. Yeah. So, even more to my point, like, $7 million for Robertson is crazy. And then Rupa Hintz is 8.45, I believe, just under 8.5. You have Ottinger signed for four at $4 million. Like, just a lot of good cap hits, which helps with the Ben and the Sagan. But, again, they play their roles. And now, I will say, Ben, he with unfortunately, with the way that he plays, sometimes he crosses the line. And that costs them this playoff series. Um, this playoff run, I should say. So, I think that him in the lineup and, and those two games is making a big difference. And I think that this team isn't going down quite as, quite as hard. And the... The thing about the whole Ottinger and starting and and all oh, you know he was so bad against Vegas. Look up the numbers of every goalie that played Vegas this mm-hmm. postseason. Yeah. They all got shredded. Yeah. It's not the goalie; it's just Vegas is that good. And this was Vegas's year to win the cup. So you know what? Sometimes you're going to shred people on the way there, and I don't think it was a, it was a testament to Ottinger. I think he's a great goalie. He's he's. I mean, he's one of the top five goalies. I think. I think is what you what you have, which is crazy. This division has two of the top five, but this is a goalie who's gonna he's gonna win you games, and he should, he has won games. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that that they did, and and I'll move over to those. Like, I mean, bringing in they brought in Marshman, they brought in Miller in free agency. They just traded Miller. So he wasn't quite a fit, and they moved on quickly, which I think is fine. Marchment was I th- he didn't have a great year, but he's exactly what they needed. Mm-hmm. They needed another grindy winger who's going to play hard and play playoff hockey. Unfortunately for him, it didn't work real well this year, and he struggled. But that's the nice thing about a multi-year contract. He's going to be fine this year. 
he's going to come back. He's going to play really well, you know. And then and they also brought in Niels Lundqvist, which I thought was, a, I really like that deal. I think he provides something you know special, and I think that he's going to be John Klingberg's replacement. And I think he's certainly going to be somebody that in a couple of years going to be looking back and man, how did the Rangers give up on that kid? You know, and and same with Thomas Harley. I think he's going to be a stud. And so you look at that defensive core, and it's like, yeah, it's great that they have, you know, the the Yanni Hockepaz and and the Ryan Suiters right now. But in a couple of years, this defensive core is going to be even better. Mm-hmm. And with what Thomas Harley brings to the to the table, and then with what Lundqvist brings, and then you obviously you have Heiskanen, who's one of the best, and he he might be one of the most underrated defensemen in the league, which is crazy because of the fact that like lots of people know how good he is, and yet there's just he. To me, he's so close to Kale McCarr, and he gets so much more recognition for what he does than Heisken does, and it makes no sense to me. And I'm like, I get that he doesn't quite put up as many points, but it's like, still, I mean, he, but he's just, anyway, uh, he could skate. And not, I mean, McCarr can too, but I just, I love watching those two skate. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Well, I hear, I hear people talk about that draft all the time, right? Oh, especially living in this area. Philly fans are always like, oh, I wish we had McCarr. I'm always like scratching my head. Like, wouldn't you want the guy that was picked before him too? And they're just like, who? Yeah. And I'm always like, come on. Like he, I don't know. Honestly, it, it could be a hot take. I know apparently we're doing a lot of hot takes recently. I think Haskin is probably a better defensive player than McCarr is. Mm-hmm. McCarr might have a little bit more offensive upside than Haskin, but I really like Haskin like all around. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever watched a defenseman like him before, mm-hmm. honestly. Well, I think he's, in a lot of ways, the second coming and a better version of Nicholas Littrow. Yeah, like he, a great he, comparison. He just he does he doesn't make mistakes, and it but he does things at such a high capacity, and it's which is so fun to watch because the guys, especially when you really understand hockey, and not to smack too many fans, but I will smack some Philly fans because they're horrible people, but. When you really understand the game and you really understand how it's supposed to be played, and you look at the fact that you will rarely see him make a mistake, and if he does, most of the time the mistake is forced by the other team, which shows the ability of the other team. Which, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look up Pavel Datsuk and how he forces people to go to where he wants them to go to take the puck from them. You can find it all. It's all over YouTube. Go look it up. It's crazy the way that he would. He would tap people on the one side so that they'd be forced. They'd start turning to the other side, which he was prepared for. Take the puck from him. Yeah, it's that kind of excuse me. It's that kind of stuff that makes Heiskanen so good. Is because he does. He's able to do that stuff, and when that stuff is happening to him, he handles it. And sometimes he's going to turn the puck over. He's going to have you know. He's not going to be have his man. Blah blah blah. It happens, but he's so complete. And I think that that's the biggest difference to me between him and McCarr is he is much more well-rounded. He's somebody that you can play him on the power play, you can play him on the penalty kill, you can play him at three on three, you can play him at five on five, you can play him at four on four. It doesn't matter. Whereas like McCarr, it's like, eh, do you want him out there on the penalty kill? Nah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you have better options. Right. Whereas there is no better options for Dallas yeah. that he's the guy and you play and you play him 30 minutes a game. You have to because he makes the team that much better, and you're forced to. So, yeah, I just I really like what he brings to the table, and I think that that's going to be an interesting one when we end up doing that redraft about where where the two of them land. Because I I this isn't a takeaway from a car. I think this isn't a a oh Eric Carlson is better than Amir Heiskin in conversation because that's just nonsense. It's a these are two very close, very good defensemen who play a little bit different styles, mm-hmm. but I think they're so close, but I still think Iceland has the edge. And I think that that's something that shows on this Dallas team and why this Dallas team was able to get as far as they did is because of that. And uh, which we'll talk about Colorado here in a minute, but, and that wasn't necessarily McCarr's fault, but at the same rate, like this team is just, they just do a lot of good things. And, and I think that looking at the, this defensive core, I mean, they're just going to be very good. They're going to be very, very, very good. And I will say the only thing that I, I wanted to bring up is I'm interested to see how Suter will do next year. I was kind of waiting for some news to come out that he was injured in the playoffs because he looked sluggish. Like yeah. he really did. And he, Vegas exposed him hardcore. 
And I'm interested to see if that's not something that they're, you know, kind of like, hmm, what are we going to do with that this year? You know, are we going to try and hide him a little bit more or was he hurt? Because to me, it looked like he was hurt. Like it looked like something was wrong with a leg or a hip or something. And he couldn't move like he normally can. His suitor's not normally somebody who gets exposed. He's normally the one exposing how, well, just how good of a defenseman he is. He's exposing that by being in the right position and never getting out work and stuff like that. So, yeah, I really do like this team. I, th- I think that they're very good. I gave them a B plus. I think that they, with what they had available and what they did, I think that they did a very good job of, of bringing people and bringing in like trades and signings and stuff like that. They played very well as a team. Unfortunately, they couldn't get past Vegas, but I mean, I think it was whoever won that series was winning the cup and Vegas proved that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I, I gave them an A minus. So I guess I finally got a, gave a better grade than you did. Eh. <laughs> um, you want to know the honest truth why I did game seven against Seattle? People kind of trash that game. I remember I turned on the NHL radio the next day and they're like, well, that was kind of a boring game seven. And I'm like, once again, like you were saying, I don't mean to bash people, like bash certain hockey fans, but if you're really a truly a, like a hockey fan and you're and you're like a hockey nerd, as I call myself, like the in-depths of the game, that game was a blast to watch. Mm-hmm. And seeing guys like Wyatt Johnston go down and score the goal he did to make it 2 nothing, and it, it was a hard-fought game seven, like a hard-fought there was not an inch left. Like neither team was allowing anything around their net, and one of, that was one of those games that Ottinger he basically pitched a shutout. Big or Seattle scored with like ten seconds left or something to make it two to one. So mm-hmm. like he held them in there. But um, if they lose that game, I'm giving them a lower grade. But that was one of those games where you're like, in the long run, that's one that you're gonna look at and be like. Remember how we played that game? That's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that was just such a growing part of this this whole team, especially the younger guys like Johnston, like Hints, like who Hints, a guy like Hints has already done it once in mm-hmm. 2020 when they went to the Cup final, and he's been in the playoffs a couple times. But he's he this team is just going forward, like going forward, they're definitely a Cup contender for a long time. And one more person I do want to bring up is Jim Nil, the general manager. Once again, I guess another hot take. Mm-hmm. Like I really think he is in the top GMs. Like where do you rank him in like the general manager spot? Because I put him. He's up there. He's definitely one of the best. Yeah, I mean, I would have to sit down and go through GMs to really yeah. say give an accurate number. But at just off the top of my head, top ten for sure, for sure, probably top five. But I really, I can't say that for. I can't 100% commit myself to that yeah. at the moment without thinking about it. Well, I get I guess my I'm I'm more biased. I guess I'll just say it cuz like I've watched this team for a very long time and I remember when Jim Neal was hired, they were going the wrong way. So I've seen how he's really built this team from the bottom up and I mean cuz I think he's well, I think one of his first trades was the Tyler Sagan one like we talked about in the last the mm-hmm. Tyler Sagan trade mm-hmm. like we talked about in the last episode. So like um He's been around for a long time and he's really built he he's built this team that we're watching today. He built this. So it's really cool. It's cool to see. And I love this team going forward. And they're uh like I said earlier, they're they're gonna be a cup contender for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um hold on. I'm curious now. You have me oh wait. <laughs> yep. Uh no, it was not his first trade. Was acquiring Sergey Gonchar. Oh crap! You know what? You are right. You're yeah. I forgot about that one. His second trade was Rich Beverly, Tyler Sagan, Ryan Button for Matt Frazier, Louis Erickson, Joe Morrow, and Riley Smith. Yeah. Yep. And then he traded for Sean Horkoff. Mm-hmm. And then he traded for Lane McDermott. No, he traded away Lane McDermott. Yeah. And he traded away Stephen Robidai. And then he traded for Tim Thomas. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. that was that was one of my favorites. I still have my Dallas Stars Tim Thomas shirt because oh, that was amazing. That's great. Oh, I guess. All right, let's move on to Colorado. Unless you have anything else to nope, add about I'm Dallas, good. nope. Um, I yeah, I mean, love Rupe Hints. I I really am excited to see what 
Wyatt Johnson's able to turn into because he's going to be a very, very – I think he might be the next – I don't think he'll quite be at the high end of Pasternak, but he's going to be another one of those late first-rounders who comes in like almost immediately, and you're like, how the heck did this dude slip into the 20s? Like, how? But I don't know that he'll be quite as good as Pasternak. I wouldn't be shocked if he is, but I don't think he's quite that good. But still, it's I love when that happens. Mm-hmm. So we will move over to Colorado. So, I mean, <laughs> I was looking through, and they did not sign. They did not have a single free agent signing this year. Really? Everything was extensions. Really? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting. And if, and the first, I mean, like the first thing, uh, shoot, what's his name? Who took over? I can never remember his oh, name. Man, I always do this. <laughs> Chris McFarland. Yeah. So right. his... First move is signing Nachuskin to an eight-year contract. And I was like, oh, my gosh. He's gonna, it's, he's literally going to burn it down. He's going to burn down this, this team that has a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And while I still don't think it was the best move in the world, Nachuskin played up to the value. Mm-hmm. I mean, now he didn't play a lot this year. He had a lot of injuries issues, and then he had some issues with personal life and all that kind of stuff. And there was some stuff going on with the Russian Russian stuff and blah, 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 blah. And so, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that as far as how many games he plays this year. But he did end up, you know, really backing it up. And he brought back Darren Helm. He brought back Josh Manson. A couple of those deals that he brought back. He got Terry Leckin in to sign a pretty good contract, like stuff like that. So I, I do think they did pretty good. Um, they made some trades. I mean, they went with a little bit like in the same way that we applauded Don Waddell with Carolina and then bringing in Brent Burns. And it working so well, I need to applaud him for the Gregoriev trade because I did not like that trade when they announced it. I thought they are wild. They're now going into the season with two unknowns because as much as Francois has been a decent backup, he still is just like really inconsistent and has has had issues with injury. And now you're bringing in somebody who's not really ever been a starter. They didn't pay a lot for him, which I liked that part. I was really concerned. I really didn't know that that was going to plan out, and I gotta give him I gotta give him credit. Like it really panned out well. Like it really did. And so props to him on making that deal and, and going and saying, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring him in, and we're gonna see what happens. And it really worked. And so like good on them. Um, I think that they had a. I mean, unfortunately for them, they lost. They had some. Some major major injuries and not having Landeskog showed so much, especially in that playoff series. And I alluded to it earlier, and this is what I want to talk about with that big power forward type of guy. You noticed it in the Seattle series. Colorado didn't have that. Like they didn't like when I was talking about with Winnipeg of who are you like who are you scared of? It's the same thing with Colorado, where it's just like you just they just didn't have it. Whereas when Landeskog's in the lineup, you got to be concerned. You got to know where he's at because he's going to punish you. And he brings so much to that team, so much. And so I think it's it's a shame, and, and especially because they're going to miss him again this year. I'm hoping so much that he's able to get healthy again and come back because it would really suck to, for there to not be in a Gabriel Landeskog in the league moving forward. But, yeah, it, it really showed, and I think it's a shame. And But unfortunately, there's nothing they can do. I think they tried their best to kind of make arrangements away from it, but they just, it's, you can't replace somebody like that. No, not at all. That's, that's definitely a one of a kind type of player and your captain and a very, very good captain to top it off. Um, Speaking of like leaders on a team, I meant to bring this up during the Dallas one, but I can kind of tie it together. So we were talking earlier with like Winnipeg, they're up, they're big boys, you Mm -hmm. know, their performances. It's, that this is the difference between a very good team and then just like a good team is I'm just going to read the plus minuses. So like on the Winnipeg side, like I read that Kyle Connor minus 11, Mark Scheifele minus 16, you know, Dallas stars, Jason Robertson plus 37, Jamie Ben plus 23, Joe Pavelski plus 42 hints plus 31, go to Colorado, Nathan McKinnon plus 29, Miko Rantanen plus 15, Kale McCarr plus 16, Devon Taves plus 39. Like, when your best players are your best players, mm-hmm. it shows. Mm-hmm. And like on Colorado's side, Nate McKinnon, every year, just 
guaranteed like 100 points. He's guaranteed that every single night he can take over the game and win you that hockey game. Mm-hmm. And I I mean, I could talk about Nate McKinnon all night because <laughs> if you watch that guy and hate him or don't like his game, I don't know what you're doing watching hockey because this guy's literally the most fun player to watch in the NHL because I think he has the speed and skill that McDavid has but has the work ethic on the defensive end that Crosby has, mm-hmm. which is what's so fun to watch. He is literally the – he's probably – he's up there as favorite player to watch in the NHL. I don't know how you don't like watching that guy. Yeah. Um, plus, plus, not to take away from it, he's a bull. Right. Like, he got – and it, you notice it that one offseason where he came in and was like, wow, yeah. you put on some oh weight. Like, you put on some serious weight. Yeah. Some serious weight. Right. So – well, and you hold can on, tell. Hold on, I got oh. a question for you. Uh oh, McKinnon or Eichel? That's tough. I, I McKinnon. Okay, I, I'm still going McKinnon. Okay. Not, I don't. I, it's it's tough, but I'd still go McKinnon. Is there anybody? Is there any center in the league that you would take over McKinnon? Crosby. Okay. Anybody else? Um, Stamkos probably still. Okay. I'd still I think I'd still take Stan because I think he just does things that nobody else I, I mean Eichel's like a tough argument because it's it's I don't want to I don't want to fall for the recency bias. Yep. Yep. Like Eichel's great. Mm-hmm. I've always liked Eichel a lot, but I, I, I don't think he's even close to McKinnon. You know, ask me this question in January. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know like I don't even think I'd even think about it. I think it would just be McKinnon. Like mm-hmm. there's not even a question. <laughs> um yeah, I mean that that is something I'd have to really think about it and go through the list. But off the top of my head, Crosby, Stamkos, I still just th- those guys I think are just worldly when it comes to the all around play. And I don't think you can win. I don't think either of those teams win cups without them. And that's how it is with McKinnon too. Like mm-hmm. this team is as good as Nathan McKinnon wants them to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, no, that was, that's a good question though. That that is something that that would be fun to do one day is just, just like pick a player who would you take over him or would you take anyone over him? It's kind of, yeah, that's kind of fun to do. Um, Miko Rantanen, I, that guy just, he, he's so, <laughs> the moose. Yeah. Yeah. Talk Such about a, a great moose. nickname. Yeah. Great nickname. <laughs> 55 goals. <laughs> like I just scores so many goals and uh, yeah, it's funny. I know Shane will like me to bring this up. So Shane took a, made a bold trade in our fantasy league. He traded Miko Rantanen for Austin Matthews straight up. Mm. And the reason he did it was because he already has McDavid. So he thought it'd be funny to have McDavid Matthews on his team. But <laughs> it's, he, but it's funny though. Cause another friend of mine, Justin in our league, he was like, you're, or he was make, telling the other guy what an idiot he was for making that deal. And it was like, do you realize how good Miko Rantanen really is? And he was like, yeah, but he's not Austin Matthews. I'm like, I would take Rantanen on my team way before Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. Like, Rico Rantanen is the most underrated scorer in the NHL. I don't think people recognize how many points he really puts up year in and year out. And this year was really impressive because Landis Cog was hurt. McKinnon was hurt for a long time. And he still put up 55 goals. So it's mm-hmm. not like he's just following their lead. Like, he is... He is a moose. <laughs> he really is. Mm-hmm. Also, too, uh, you brought up uh, Alexander Georgiev, the trade. I agree. I was at the time, I'm like, Darcy Kemper, you know, I feel like I, I would pay the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I really thought when they were deciding on what they wanted to do, I'm like, he was really good for them in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That whole run the year prior when they won the cup. He wasn't just like I didn't. I personally didn't think he was just like a manageable goalie. I thought he was a big part of them winning. I, I was like, I don't think you can just replace him. And they decided to move on, trade for Georgiev, and I'm like, ah. I remember last off season, I was like, eh, you know, maybe this team, we'll see how good Kemper really was. But I don't think it was. I don't think that's how it was, though. I think Georgiev was just that good. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he proved he is a starting goalie in this league. So, I mean, I think it's really cool because I've always liked him, but I didn't think he was ever going to be a starter. Mm-hmm. I just thought he was just going to be like a kind of like a fifty-fifty goalie. Like you know, you play forty, he'll play forty games a year, and 
split the net with someone, but that I honestly thought that was his ceiling. So mm-hmm. um, good for them for doing that. And I think they found their goalie for a couple of years. Uh, I do want to bring up the Seattle series in the first round game went to game seven. Honestly, that was probably one of the best series in the playoffs this year. It was mm-hmm. very fun to watch. I don't think it was as much as Colorado losing that series. I think it was just Seattle finding ways to win that series. Um, Grubauer played very well for Seattle, especially in that game seven. I think McKinnon had like, I don't, I don't, I wish I, I should have looked up the stat, but I think he had like 14 shots that game or something crazy. He was, he was being McKinnon. Mm-hmm. He took over the game. He just could not score. He hit like two or three posts. Like it was just one of those nights. So, and during that handshake line, like usually, you know, like when teams lose, especially in a game seven, you can just tell they're down. Like their heads are hanging. The coach is a little like, that sucked. They were like smiling, like not like happy, but they were like, listen, we, mm-hmm. we threw everything we had. Mm-hmm. Good for you guys. Congratulations. That's literally how they took that. And I think that's a very good approach to take because in Colorado is one of the best teams in hockey. Mm-hmm. We all know that they were the cup champs the year before. And I think we all know they were the better team in that series. Not saying, but like they tipped their cap to Seattle going like, good for you guys. You deserve this. So I thought that was really cool. And I just wanted to acknowledge that because I remember when Bednar went over to shake Hackstall's hand, he did like that little smirk and like shook his head <laughs> and you could just read, you could just tell he was just like, congrats guys. Like you deserve this. Like good for you. So I, I really thought that was cool. And yeah, Colorado is definitely a team to look out for next year again. Absolutely. I don't think that that's going to change in any time moving forward. I think they're going to have some interesting cap decisions to make, but I still think they're going to be a very good team for years to come. And that's going to, it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with some, with some pieces, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love them. I love the way they play. I love the, the different, different dynamics they have on the team. And like, I think Devontae's may be the most underrated defenseman in the league. And I think he should get Norris votes left and right. And I don't think he ever does. And I think it's a shame because I don't think McCarr is able to do what he does if it's not for, for Taze. No. And that's another reason that I think I'm taking Heiskanen over him is Heiskanen doesn't really have that. I mean, no. like he, he, you, you know, you can certainly place him with anybody, but you're not looking at his defensive partner saying, wow, he's making him that much better. You're looking at Heiskanen looking, saying he's making his defensive partner better. And I think that that's just, you know, and it's again, this isn't a hit on McCarr. I think McCarr is fantastic, and I really think he's a great defenseman. But I just think Heisken is just a little bit better, and that it's like things like that that I think you notice. So, yeah, I'm I'm really high on Colorado. I think that there's their Stanley Cup window is still wide open. I think that they are they miss Landeskog, and I think that that's going to be missed again this year. But you know, I think there's some time. This is time for for other people to step up. And I think McKinnon has proven that he can, but I think they need a little bit more. And they and, and they, I think they just, you know, they need to not run into a team that's going to beat them. And I agree with you. I think that was Seattle just beating them. It wasn't Colorado losing. It was Seattle winning. And I think that there is a difference between the two. And I think that it's really nice when you lose like that. And it's not like, oh, we gave him the series. It's not the Toronto-Florida series where it's like, uh, knock knock Toronto are you there like anybody at home because you didn't look like it right. that was Seattle went hard and that's what they got yeah. so I got one more question for you <laughs> okay Curtis McDermott poor man's version of Derek Forbert uh, I think McDermott has a has a more toughness mm-hmm. to him for sure well, not that Forbert's, Forbert's tough but he doesn't hit or fight like McDermott's I think he, he he's up there in the top tough guys in the NHL uh when it comes to the hockey play yeah I guess I could see the comparison there for sure yeah yeah I just I think it's funny because they because I thought that when F- Forbert got to Boston I thought that he was McDermott oh really? they're about the same size yeah. they're they're both left-handed defense shut down defensemen and I just hadn't watched either of them closely enough to know the difference. Yeah. So I just thought it was funny, and I was just thinking about it. And I'm like, hmm. And I was going through the ro- the roster stuff, and I saw, I think McDermott was like a negative 11 or something, negative 12, something for the season. And I was like, oof. I'm like, you won't see that with Forbert. 
Yeah. And I just kind of maybe chuckled to myself. And I'm like, I'm going to ask Kyle. Yeah. If, if, yeah, what do you think? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I would still take Forbert over him. I don't oh, think yeah. McDermott plays. I think he, he worry he, he's tougher. Mm-hmm. He, he plays more of that role than Forbert. Forbert's just out there to literally kill minutes mm-hmm. is literally what his role is, which is a big role, but mm-hmm. it sounds like I'm knocking it, but it, his job is to just shut teams down and don't let certain guys score goals. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. Oh, uh, yes. All right. Anything else on uh, any of these teams? Colorado, I forgot to give them a grade. So I gave them a B. Plus, so. Well, that's yep. appropriate because that's also what I gave them. Oh, nice. There we go. Look at us. Yeah. We're so. That was the first high five I've ever clicked with. Hey, <laughs> uh, uh, how's a homeschooler high five someone? What'd you say? How does a homeschooler oh, high five a... someone? <laughs> how? They clap. Mm, that's tough so you had a lot of practice <laughs> that i did that i did and for those of you who may or may not be offended by that joke i was homeschooled so i can make the joke it's fine <laughs> i think it's funny yeah. oh yes all right anything else before we, we sign off no, we're clearly way too tired <laughs> to keep talking <laughs> oh yes thank you for staying with us on another episode Thank you again to Joey for hooking us up with an Instagram. If you haven't already followed the page, we'd appreciate a follow and a share if you want to be nice. So thank you all. It's been great. See you next week.